Microsoft said it would be laying off 10,000 of its employees as well. 150,000 tech workers have been laid off in 2022 alone. Alphabet, Amazon, Twitter, Meta, Microsoft, Spotify, IBM, Intel, cash free. Aren't these the same companies that rushed to your college campus for placements? According to the Challenger Gray and Christmas report, the number of job losses till May 2023 has dramatically surged by 315% compared to the same period last year, with a total of 417,000 individuals being affected globally. According to the data compiled by Inc. 42, in India, around 27,000 employees have been laid off this year by 100-plus startups in the middle of funding winter. A report by Goldman Sachs in March of this year projected that AI has the potential to replace approximately 300 million full-time jobs worldwide, impacting nearly 20% of the global workforce. The implications are clear. The threat of income disruption looms over each and every one of us, irrespective of our professional or entrepreneurial endeavors. When it actually happens and you realize, oh shit, I mean, I just, I'm out of a job, I don't have work. All sort of things, you know, start coming to your mind. It's way different from what you imagine uh, when it actually happens to you. So the first thing that comes is, what do I tell my parents? What do I tell my family? What do I tell my friends? And hence, the easiest thing to do here was to hide it from them. Apart from my wife and a couple more friends, literally did not tell anyone. It was emotionally a very difficult time. That was Abhishek, a successful business consultant who now works with startups and content creators. Abhishek, however, had suffered the pain of losing his job and experiencing a serious income disruption. The sports startup that he had worked for for five years could not raise enough funds to keep the company afloat. Failing to acknowledge the possibility of such circumstances happening to us and neglecting to understand how to safeguard our financial and emotional well-being is a huge error made by most of us. Also, unforeseen events such as accidents or disabilities can happen to anyone really, leading to unexpected income turmoil, no matter whether you are a salaried employee, business owner or freelancer. My honest question to you is this. Do you have a clear, strategic, documented plan to face such a circumstance? Welcome to Temperament by One Finance where we explore how our emotions and psychological biases affect the way we handle our money. Our aim is to help you avoid costly mistakes by giving you practical financial knowledge that helps you make smarter financial decisions. I'm your host, Ashish Shavla, and in today's episode of Temperament by One Finance, I will delve into the actionable strategies of how you can protect yourself during times of income disruption. In this episode, I speak with a veteran qualified financial advisor who shares everything you want to know about emergency planning, as well as with an experienced HR leader who breaks down how you can build your dream team, which works for your welfare. All this and more coming up on the other side. I'm a chartered accountant with extensive experience in leadership and strategy within large corporations. Also, I have dedicated years to observing and researching human behavior and decision-making processes. Throughout my observations, 
I have noticed a recurring mistake that many of us tend to make, neglecting to adequately plan our finances for emergencies. To gain more insights on navigating through income disruption, I spoke to Keertan Shah, an esteemed financial coach and a certified financial planner with over a decade of experience. Having successfully trained nearly 500,000 individuals worldwide and managing assets worth Rs 11,000 crores for HNIs, Keertan possesses a wealth of knowledge in this field. My intention in consulting him was to understand the most common error individuals make when they face income disruption. The biggest problem is that largely when people are laid off, unfortunately, a lot of us don't really have an emergency fund before the COVID. I don't think a lot of us even knew what emergency fund actually was, right? It was actually pandemic and that time frame where people lost job is when they realized that they had nothing to fall back and which is where they ended up making a lot of hasty, irrational decisions that they only repent today. But today also, I don't think that a lot of us take uh, emergency funds very seriously. Emergency fund is money stored away that we can use in times of financial distress. This helps in better financial security by creating a safety net that can be used to meet unanticipated expenses such as an illness or a job loss or so. But how long a runway should we have? Are there any generic broad rules that one can follow? In the thumb rule context, I would say that you will need to make sure that you have at least 6 to 12 months of your monthly expenses kept aside as an emergency corpus. What essentially I'm trying to say is, let's say if you end up facing job loss kind of a situation, you will need at least 6 to 12 months of buffer so that you are quite assured yourself that you've got time up to the next 12 months. Now, does the situation change? The situation can drastically change depending on who you are. So like say for example, if I am somebody today who is in a situation where I know that probably a year later, I need to pay fees for my daughter's education, right? Now that is not a very planned monthly expense that typically keeps happening. So whenever you have a goal which is very close, let's say 10 months, 12 months or 18 months from where today you are, then your emergency corpus has to go up by that amount over and above the 6 to 12 month uh, monthly expense that you already have as an emergency fund. The points Keertan shared are very valid for salaried people. Since the outflow and inflow of income is predictable in their case, it becomes easier to plan for emergency funds. But business owners, consultants and freelancers cannot always predict their inflows with certainty. So, how does the strategy change for them? Now, let's say if you've been doing uh, or been an entrepreneur for the last 5, 6, 7 years, so if you've gone through those 60, 80 months of rigor, you know for a fact that you can't depend on a steady cash flow. So first is of course you make sure that you have those 6-12 months of expenses that we spoke about kept aside as emergency fund. Second is that start a committed investment on a monthly basis through an SIP that will make sure that you are committed to that process of investing and you are actually removing that money out of your business which you will otherwise never ever will be able to do. So one is you have your emergency fund in place. Another is you starting to build a corpus of investment, starting to remove some money out of your business, diversify it, and you will always have that corpus whenever you need that money. And of course, if you are just starting, 
आई थिंक आउटसाइड ऑफ कीपिंग मंथ ऑफ बफर फॉर योर सेल्फ यू लैव टू एक्चुअली कीप नदर सिक्स मंथ ऑफ बफर एज वर्किंग कैपिटल सो इफ यू आर स्टार्टिंग फ्रेश यू नॉट ओनली हैव अ ट्वेल्व मंथ ऑफ इमरजेंसी कॉर्पस दैट यू हैव टू कीप फॉर योर सेल्फ बट यू विल एटलीस्ट हैव टू कीप अनदर सिक्स टू एट मंथ ऑफ वर्किंग कैपिटल जस्ट टू मेक श्योर दैट इफ द कैश फ्लोज दैट यू विजुअलाइज आर एक्चुअली नॉट कमिंग इन सो समी यू स्टार्टिंग अ फ्रेश विल नीड टू कीप अ लार्जर इमरजेंसी कॉर्पस पर्सनल एंड कंपनी बोथ So what this means is that it is crucial to have an emergency corpus kept aside that can protect you in times of uncertainties. 6 to 12 months is what Kirtan prescribes. But eventually it depends on your personal situations, your needs, your goals and most importantly on your financial behavior and temperament. And if you're curious about your financial personality, money sign, a patented tool by One Finance will help you understand your own money habits. By answering a few questions, you will be categorized into one of eight financial personality types. This helps you to make financial decisions that truly match your style. For instance, my money sign is far-sighted eagle. As a far-sighted eagle, I am always eyeing the big financial picture, ready to take bold risks. Yet I understand the importance of thorough research and steer clear from blindly following the crowd. You will find a link to take your money sign assessment in the description of this episode. In order to emphasize the importance of emergency funds, Keith narrated a compelling case to me that emphasizes the importance of emergency funds. He had a client who operated a travel and tour business employing 150 individuals. However, when COVID-19 struck the travel industry, the client had no choice but to downsize the workforce to a mere 5 employees. That is when the emergency fund played a crucial role in safeguarding both the client's financial stability and psychological well-being. but i'll tell you because the emergency corpus was put in place she was so relaxed she knew that she had 12 months even if she does not end up uh, starting something new or getting a job for herself in this state of mind where she knew that for the next 12 months it is completely okay to not do anything and not get rattled with she could actually sit on it and decide what she wanted to do and now today she is a very successful blogger so i think not only that the emergency corpus typically give you sustenance but i think there is a lot of psychological advantage of giving you that comfort i don't have to bother for myself for the next 12 months we often give a lot of importance to aggressive equity investments but really discuss the equally vital concept of risk management despite its lack of glamour risk management plays a fundamental role in financial planning One effective way to manage risks and establish an emergency fund is through structured and disciplined budgeting. So I always keep sharing this very simple rule that I personally follow with investors which is 30 30 30 10. What I mean by that is that if your salary is 100 rupees make sure that your expenses discretionary and non-discretionary except EMIs put together should not exceed 30 rupees. Maximum EMIs all your emis put together should not exceed 30 rupees 30 rupees right. every month should compulsorily go for investing and the remaining 10 rupees first has to be used to build the emergency corpus and then would get added to your savings so what i mean by that is on a 100 rupee of salary make sure that you don't spend more than 30 on a 100 rupee of salary make sure your emi is not more than 30 and 
you are saving 40 rupees every month for any and everything that you intend to do with that money. This is a practical way of looking at budgeting finances. And the 30-30-30-10 rule is a good starting point. But as I mentioned, how you plan your budgets and how much emergency funds you need will depend on your specific goals and circumstances. And most importantly, on your personality. Now, another question is, where do we allocate the funds to? Should we keep the balance in our savings account or should we explore investment opportunities? There are three, four things that you can do. First, you can put that up uh, in your savings bank account. Then your money is saved and you will get it whenever you want it. That while you are trying to plan for your emergency fund, don't think of generating higher returns because you have to look at safety and liquidity over everything else while you are trying to plan an emergency. Because you wanted to generate 1% more, you ended up investing in a place where when the emergency actually came, you were not allowed to remove. You will really be in a bad bad state at that point in time. So first, I think savings account is one place where you can keep. You can also invest your money in liquid funds or arbitrage funds that mutual funds offer. How is it different? Let's say if you have a very large corpus because of whatever your monthly expense into 12 is, if you put that in a arbitrage fund in a mutual fund, you get a tax advantage. So when your 100 becomes 110, on the 10 rupee of capital gains that you've made, you are charged only one, one rupee as tax. But whereas in your savings account or if you put it in the liquid fund of a mutual fund, you are charged equivalent to your savings account. So there can be a slight advantage for doing arbitrage, right? But that will largely depend on how big or small your corpus is, right? But if you really ask me, I'm okay with all three. You can do a savings account also. You can park money in liquid funds of a mutual fund or arbitrage funds in the mutual fund. Do not try and generate or think of generating higher returns on your emergency corpus because you will dilute the purpose for which you are trying to do it. The insights received from Kirtan are valuable in planning our budgets. While maintaining our financial well-being in times of income disruption is crucial, it is equally vital to take care of our emotional and psychological well-being. In my pursuit to explore effective strategies for navigating uncertainties and bouncing back from setbacks, I spoke with Vikas Maheshwari, an experienced HR leader serving as a global HR transformation head at Biocon Biologics. Vikas, throughout his distinguished 25-year career, has handed over termination letters on multiple occasions. I wanted to understand the common recurring errors employees make that makes it difficult for them to handle situations such as a job loss or income disruption. So what people typically do is that once there is some kind of a noise emerging in the organization, well, this is coming your way. At that point in time is when people start preparing. So what they typically do is they dust off their resumes, then they start uh, reaching out to their friends and their networks, and they start applying for jobs. You know, it's almost like um, a spray and pray kind of an approach. Well, to my mind, that necessarily does not work. So what one needs to do is that irrespective of the situation at hand, you always have to be upskilling. You always have to be thinking out of the box. So that's the first point that I would like to make. The second point is that when the layoff actually happens, a few reactions emerge that you are now full of shame. And that's a very uh, natural human reaction because you think that, why did this happen to me? You know, I did my job well, but they still have chosen me to be the person to exit. It starts from there. And then there's the fear that what's going to happen next. And you handle that with what? With the response of anger. So if you're going through those motions, you've got to burn it all off. You start burning your calories. You start 
enjoying what you typically like to enjoy. For some people, music works. For some people, you know, uh, a little bit of a walk for 30 minutes could be the thing. For some people, it's just a little conversation with somebody that you trust. But you have to get out of that zone as quickly as possible. And then you need to, you know, kind of uh, look at those skilling and upskilling kind of opportunities. It cannot be a hasty reaction is all that I'm trying to say. The best resources or the best opportunities to learn and reskill, in my view, I mean, today we are lucky. We've got the worlds of Coursera. We've got Udemy. We've got Unacademy. We've got so many of those out there. But again, as I said in the beginning, that you need to prepare for it proactively. The first lesson of emotional regulation, which unfortunately is still not taught in most schools and organizations, is to cultivate the patience and maturity to allow emotions to settle. Instead of reacting impulsively to situations, it is essential to weather the storm within our minds. Only then we can engage in creative and productive thinking. And as Vikas puts it, only then we can build our dream team. Assemble your dream team. I've always believed in it. So if you've been networking well, and networking is different for different kinds of people, right? At a C-suite level, the networking is a different flavor, whereas for a fresher, it's it's a, a very different flavor. I mean, for me to go out and be out there and say, hey, listen, I want to catch up with people, it's easy. But for a fresher, it's it's that bit difficult because, you know, they don't necessarily get invites to these um, networking forums uh, or to these conferences. They literally have to push their way through. My two cents on this is that networking necessarily does not mean reaching out to the influencers only. It means reaching out to people who could possibly be full of advice and wisdom for you. Okay, and this could be anyone. It could be somebody from your family. It could be a relative. It could also be industry professionals. Our LinkedIn is popular. I remember there was this one message that came in my email. I had said, I don't know if you can handle this question. This is something that has been troubling me a lot. Can you give me an answer to this? If no, could you direct me to uh, somebody else? What I liked about this approach was it's a very direct one. It was to the point. It did not ask for anything except for an answer to a very complicated question. And since then, you know, I've, I've stayed in touch with that person and uh, we've been exchanging notes. And then why do you only have to interact with working professionals? For me, I know a termination or a layoff could happen with me as well any given day. Times that we live in are so dynamic. And I've said, hey, listen, if this was to happen to me, um, maybe that's an opportunity for me to look at a career other than HR. Okay? And I picked up the skill of, or hobby of photography a while back. And since then, I've been, you know, trying to network a lot with these uh, photography enthusiasts. And since then, I have built good connections. And I know if something was to happen, God forbid, I'm actually going to join this one particular gentleman who I will look at as my mentor. This is a different way of thinking about networking, really, isn't it? Always be on a lookout for building your team that will stand by you. Don't wait for adversity to hit you. Don't wait for networking events to happen. But instead, reach out to mentors, like-minded professionals within your domain or otherwise, and build genuine connections. They say that your network is your net worth. And one solid way of attracting the right kind of people in your network is by building a strong personal brand. The way personal branding works in LinkedIn would be different to the way it works on Instagram and YouTube and the others, right? But if I limit this to the realms of, let's say, professional networking, while for the seasoned folks, there's enough that you could, you know, brand yourself with in terms of the works that you've done, projects you handled, so on and so forth. But I think for freshers, what works beautifully, at least stuff that I like, is when people write on a platform like LinkedIn, an honest to God kind of a personal statement. I mean, that I really look forward to. 
so this is about seven, eight years back uh, when I was in the Middle East in Dubai. And, uh, you know, I had a few open positions in HR, looking to be for my team and all of that. And typically, I would look at HR professionals. There's this one person's profile that kind of stood up. And the best part was that this person was not from HR. I saw a lot of curiosity in his post saying that, you know, this is what he's struggling with. This is what he's observed. He was selling insurance policies. I reached and I said, would you be interested in a career in HR? And we had a very interesting conversation where he would give me all the reasons why HR fails. After that conversation, I realized that, you know, the reason I need to hire this guy is not because he understands HR, but he can challenge HR because he can disrupt HR. When faced with income disruption, you may feel powerless over the direction of your life or blame yourself for some perceived shortcoming or mistake. The anxiety can feel overwhelming. But no matter how miserable things seem right now, there are financial and psychological strategies as shared by Kirtan and Vikas that can help you face the challenging times. What you need to keep in mind is that your circumstances, upbringing, cultural background and the stage of life that you are in are personal to you. The emergency plan should be formulated depending on your own values, behaviors and attitudes. Some of the ideas and strategies shared by Kirtan are a good way to initiate your thought process regarding budgeting your finances. But to devise a plan suitable for you, I suggest that you consider two things. First, know your financial personality, your money sign. And second, seek professional help from a qualified financial advisor. They'll be able to hyper-personalize your financial strategy based on your temperament. And that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you've gained some fresh insights on emergency funds. Share this episode with your network if you found it valuable. Also, don't miss out on the money sign assessment to uncover your financial personality. You'll find the link in our episode description. This is Temperament by One Finance, produced by Wine Studio. And I'm your host, Ashish Chavla. Investment in securities market are subject to market risks. Read all related documents carefully before investing. The securities quoted are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.